You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to another special report from the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrogi. I'm co-host of the Lawyer to Lawyer show on the Legal Talk Network. And I'm here at the Converge Conference in New York City. This is being put on by Above the Law. It's been a day-long conference focused on technology, media, and the business of law. I'm sitting here now with uh, one of the panelists who spoke today at the conference, Dr. Sylvia Hodges-Silverstein. She is executive director of the Buying Legal Council, the organization of procurement and operations professionals tasked with sourcing legal services and managing legal services supplier relationships. Welcome to our special report here, Sylvia. Thank you, Bob, for having me. It's been a pleasure to uh, see you and to hear you speak today. Uh, Sylvia, let's just start by having you tell me a little bit more about what the Buying Legal Council is all about. So the Buying Legal Council is the platform for those working in sourcing and uh, professionally purchasing legal services. So basically anybody who does not work in the legal department but is involved in the sourcing would be finding our trade organization useful for networking, for education, networking and education mostly. So what is legal procurement? This is an area that I know very little about, as I just told you before we started recording, uh, and and you were beginning to tell me about it, but this has evolved out of other industries. Is that right? Yeah, so procurement is the function that purchases in a professionally in, in corporations. And when we look at other professional services, uh, they used to always be uh, bought by the department. Uh, so like the legal department sure. would just buy legal services as we had it. Uh, and when we look at other professional services, it's basically the same thing. So in the engineering uh, services, it started to be bought by procurement in the late 1980s, early 90s. Uh, marketing services have been started to be bought by procurement in the mid-90s. Accounting services have been started to be bought by procurement in the early 2000s, and now it's the law firm. So to some extent, the legal category is sort of the last frontier for many procurement professionals. Is this taking the procurement function away from the legal department within a company? The procurement uh, function helps streamline the process, make the process more objective, more transparent and uh, measurable and uh, actually helps the lawyers focus, the in-house lawyers focus on what they're good at. They can focus on their lawyering. They don't need to do the negotiations about price and they don't need to uh, think about um, other procurement related questions. Who becomes the ultimate decision maker in, in the ultimate, in the, you know, the sort of the final procurement decision in terms of what you're going to, what you're going to do? I mean, is this, do the procurement people come in before the decision is made or after the decision is made or does it depend? So obviously it depends on the company what exactly happens, but typically you have procurement come in before the decision is made. And as I said, procurement facilitates the process, the sourcing process. What procurement does not do, procurement does not go in there and says, you legal department have to use this unknown law firm that you've never worked with, that I've never seen. Procurement, uh, about 20% of the procurement people in the Fortune 500 uh, companies have a law degree or our former in-house lawyers, or even private practice lawyers. But still, I have yet to see procurement, legal procurement as a decision maker for 
legal services, that still remains with the general counsel's office. But again, what we, uh, we saw is the involvement in the negotiation, in the measuring, in streamlining the process. And are there particular types of services to be procured in which the procurement professional is more likely to be involved, or in there, and there are some where it's almost entirely you know, going to be handled by the legal department exclusive of them? So it really depends on the, the company, the culture of the company, and also the GC and what they want, and also obviously on the CEO's or CFO's mandates, how far procurement will be involved. But what uh, definitely is a is a common pattern that procurement comes in and typically helps source ancillary legal services, whether that's court reporting or other types of services like that. You also see them being involved in e-discovery services, purchasing, uh, e-billing purchases, these kind of, as I said, the ancillary legal services. That is what procurement typically helps purchase. Then you have companies like GlaxoSmithKline, where they started out that way as well, but 10 years ago, and now there is a uh, process set up where procurement is actually involved in sourcing even high-stakes legal work. So anything over $250,000 worth goes through a procurement process. So I need an M&A attorney, or I need a litigation attorney for a high-stakes case... I'd go through procurement, perhaps, depending on the company, I hear what you're saying, but in some well, cases... Lots of companies um, today in 2015, probably not. But at some companies that have been starting in, uh, involving procurement in the sourcing of legal services, it might be the case. Yeah. But again, procurement are the negotiators, they are the gatekeepers, they are influences, they are, but they're not necessarily the or typically not the, the decision makers for right. legal services. Right. And where do they fit in with a company? Do they work within the general counsel's office, or are they in the financial services parts of the company? They are typically in the procurement department and report to the chief procurement officer. Yeah. Uh, if they are in the legal department, then sometimes they are part of legal operations and so on. But typically, legal procurement is based in the procurement department. What's the benefit? Why would a company want to go down this road? Well, the the biggest benefit is definitely cost savings. Uh, a big benefit is also transparency. Uh, when cost you, savings because they're going to put more time and effort into researching the possibilities and vetting the candidates and, and, and that kind of thing? That could be part of it. But if you look at how large corporations, how they source legal services – I know of a number of large corporations that uh, regularly worked with four, five, six hundred different law firms. Well, you have no purchasing power at all because everyone just does a little bit of work for you. So if you really think about which firms know our business best and are really interested in partnering with us, well, why not give these firms more business and say, we're going to be partners uh, going forward. We're going to work on solutions together, and we reward you for that, rather than spreading out the work to three, four, five hundred different law firms. Yeah. So, uh, how how common is this in the legal industry? How pervasive has this become? So, I've been studying purchasing decisions in a legal field for about ten years. I've interviewed GCs, I've interviewed CEOs, CFOs. How do they buy legal services? And about uh, in about 2010, 
I discovered procurement people being involved for the first time. And I thought, well, what are they doing? This is really curious because I'd never come across until 2010 across any any procurement uh, people. So I did some more digging and probing and, and, and so on. And then I did a study in 2011 on the topic in 2012. And then 2014 started to uh, write articles about it. And actually, we wrote a Harvard Business School case study on GlaxoSmithKline. And also had a book in 2012, and just recently we published the Legal Procurement Handbook, which is on legal procurement. And so it is now, after we had a phase where only the biggest spenders of legal services, so the pharmaceutical companies and the financial services companies have started to involve purchasing in the buying of legal services, now we see... uh, the majority of the Fortune 500 companies, independent of what kind of industry they are in, to have somebody in procurement involved in the purchasing of legal services. So I know that there's a kind of an academic side to your resume, uh, as well as what we've been talking about here today. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, uh, I know you're a lecturer in law, and I know you've done a lot of research. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing in that, in that part of your life? Sure. I am a lecturer in law at Columbia Law School, where I teach a course in law firm uh, financial management and then also at uh, Fordham Law School. I'm an adjunct professor where I teach a course in law firm as a business, which is a smorgasbord of management and business um, aspects and a course in law firm marketing. And um, I strongly believe that law students today need more to be prepared to work in this market that has been shifting so much as we discussed at the the conference. They really need to understand financials. They need to be aware of tools that they can use like project management, et cetera, and so forth. So I basically hopefully give them enough tools to be aware of what's happening in the market, but um, we all need to continue with lifelong learning. Yeah. So what kind of skills is it important for law? I mean, you know, we all once we get out of law school, a lot of lawyers all realize, well, we should have learned this in law school, and we all know that a lot of law schools have not done a good job of teaching this in the in the past. What are the core kinds of skills that law students need to have coming out of law school to understand about the the business side of law and the marketing aspects of law? Well, it really starts with um, from being able to read financial statements to understanding that we all need to work in teams to having, as I mentioned, project management skills, to uh, having an understanding and maybe perhaps a desire to start to build their own brand. So use social media, as we discussed at the conference uh, today as well, to use all these different tools to become this lawyer that is well-equipped for the future. All right. Uh, We're just about out of time here. Anything else you want to tell us about work that you're doing? Well, we are currently working on a textbook for law firm management, uh, my co-researcher from Harvard, Heidi Gardner, and I. And we do believe that all law schools should have at least one course mandatory for every law uh, law student to get some basic understanding of business. If you go to a business school today to get your MBA, you will have some law classes because you need to understand that as a business person. And I think that it is true the other way around. Lawyers have to be savvy business people, as we heard with the keynote uh, speaker in the morning, uh, who said the big important question will be, 
do you understand business? Are you a business person? Yeah. How, how do you teach potential lawyers about that, given that the range of practices that they could go into could be so varied, the sizes of firms they could go into, the types of firms? How do you teach that? Well, there are basic principles about finance, for example. So they will apply to you whether you work in a small entity or a large multinational one. So it is about uh, some key concepts. And then um, we will talk about how does this apply if you work for a 2,000 lawyer firm or if you work for a 20 lawyer firm. So, uh, you know, some things can be scaled and others uh, you just need to see what works for you. Good. Now, does the um, Buying Legal Counsel have a website? Where can listeners find out more about it and what it's doing? Yes, please visit our website at buyinglegal.com. Buyinglegal.com, of course. Well, thanks a lot for being with us. Really enjoyed Thank talking you to you today, much for Sylvia. It's me. been great. This has been a, another special report from the Converge Conference sponsored by Above the Law here in New York City. This is Bob Ambrogi on behalf of the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. 